Hey friends, welcome to the Redeemer Queens Park podcast. Redeemer exists to help connect Jesus to people, people to community and community to mission. We're gathering on Saturdays at 3pm to worship God and fellowship. If you ever have any questions or if we could be of help in any way at all, then please give us a shout at hello at redeemerqp.com. We hope you'll be encouraged as you hear another one of our Bible talks. Let's listen to the next episode. Welcome again. So good to see each of you this afternoon. Uh, welcome back from summer. Uh, welcome to the new term. Uh, welcome back to work if that's, uh, if that's happening as well. Really glad to see each of you this afternoon. If this is your uh, first time rolling through, we're especially glad you're here. I need you especially to know what happens for the next uh Uh, 13 to 15 minutes doesn't usually happen in here. Uh, We took the first part of the Bible teaching time last week. We're taking it again this week to unpack and to explain a little bit of the church vision for where we want to be in two years' time. Before breaking up for summer, the elders of this church, David's back there at the back. Luis uh, just went upstairs with the kids and some able helpers. Andrew, who just stood here, myself, Um, We got a way to seek the Lord and to think together, Lord, where would you have us go? Where are we right now? Where would you have us go? And how can we get from right here to right there? And some of what I share with you uh, right here for the next few minutes is is that. Uh, But I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this as somebody who's representing uh, this group of men. And if you have more questions, you can go ask each of them. You can go ask all of them. Go have a chat with with the rest of the group. Um, I also wanted to share this with you is something that is burning in my heart for us. And I'm personally, I'm excited about, like for us, what we can be moving into just in the next weeks and months together. So I want you to hear it. We, we went over this last week. If you see somebody glaze over, hopefully they were one of those that heard this last week and not somebody hearing it for the first time. But uh, the two-year vision, the two-year plan is deep roots, wide fruits, deep and wide, a ministry vision uh, for where we could go as a new church community. Again, maybe especially helpful if uh, this is your first time visiting with us or you've been here only a few times. After patiently planting in this church community over the last three years, we're finally here. Uh, The idea of this, it was actually birthed in in the state of North Carolina as uh, we were just busy with life and ministry where we were and God started to download a new dream and a new vision to move here and to be a part of this. And, and three years later, gathering a team, gathering some resources, you look around and it's like, it's kind of more than an idea now. That's God. Only God gives an idea, gives a bit of a glimpse for where we could be. Three years later, you, like maybe genuinely right now, look right, look left, like turn around, like only God. And what we need now is a season of, of growing what God has started season of embedding, rooting in, anchoring down, entering more deeply into the metaphors in the Bible of Isaiah chapter 61, Psalm chapter 1, John chapter 15. Let me take you into those together. Isaiah chapter 61, this is where Jesus got his life verse. When uh, Jesus, uh, not as a young boy, as a young man, showed up at the temple and he pulls up the scroll, he goes in to read. This, This is where he got the words that he said. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Verse 3 says, They shall be called, those whom He saves and whom He loves, they shall be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. We want to be the fruit of that. Psalm chapter 1 gives us more. 
Blessed is the one who does not walk in step of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or be in that company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and meditates on that law day and night. I want to go deeper into this together. Verse 3 gets real specific for us. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. With Leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. Vision is to see this church community look more like that at the end of two years than we do right now. And for us to be there means each of us will be looking closer to that in two years than we do right now. John 15, where we're headed into this afternoon. Um, we looked at this at length last week. Verse 1, Jesus says, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. Again, being extraordinarily explicit about this up front. I am not the vine. The elders of this church are not the vine. No man, no woman in this room is the vine. Jesus is the vine. And Jesus says, the father is a gardener. The father's going to come along. The Father's going to take away things that are perfectly fine and good. He's also going to take away stuff that's dead. He's going to be about the business of bringing up fruit. So Jesus goes on. Jesus looks at his followers. Verse 5 says, you're branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. It's it's inevitable. It's, It's only a matter of time. If we're genuinely abiding in him. We see the glory of God is at stake here. In verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Now, bearing a fruit is qualified with this phrase out here, so showing yourselves to be my disciples. And this is, this is where we're at. This is where we want to go. A season of growth. But what kind of growth? That's the question we have to ask. What kind of growth? Like what would describe the growth that we want to see take place in the next two years? Three words give it a lot of flavor. First and most importantly is spiritual growth. We want to see this church grow spiritually over two years. So let's become a church that grows deep. That's the invitation. More Bible, more doctrine, more spiritual growth, more knowing God, more making God known. Shows up in things like sins being conquered, idols being destroyed, relationships being reconciled, healthy families, stronger marriages, and a healthy spirituality. Not just knowing God more deeply, but loving God more intently. Spiritual growth. More equipping of members and developing of leaders. Showing up in the next few years, hopefully, in something like a faith and work, vocational engagement, stewardship initiatives. This is to be a part of a church that's growing Spiritually. Secondly, we'll spend as much time here. We want to be a church, part of a church that's growing organizationally. We, we do want to target organizational growth in the next few years. This won't be each and every one of us in this room working on this most of the time in our week. But if you're a part of this, you need to know this is something we really want to see happen. A church that grows strong. Sticking with the gardening uh, metaphor illustration, we're, thinking, we're talking here about the trellis. The job of a trellis, be it a few nails rammed into the fence or an actual structure, is that the vine can kind of hang on to it and leverage up off of it to get to the next place that the vine needs to grow to. This is what we're talking about. A church that grows strong. So this will mean some of the things that happen in the background of this community that do inevitably make its way to the front. More systems, more processes, more policies, more safeguarding, more structures to sustain and lead the healthy spiritual and numerical growth we want to see happen. 
This means we're looking to add at least one more elder in the next two years. We want to take the leaders around this church. Many people are already serving as deacons here. We want to formalize that by forming a diaconate, but we want healthy organizational growth. Finally, third from the point, but the point nonetheless is numerical growth. We do want to become a church that grows wide. This might be transfer growth from other churches. We're hoping to see conversion growth from the harvest, striving for 10%. You study the great movements and revivals of the past. One thing they all have in common is they were moving on about a 10% from conversion growth. So the goal, hear me, isn't just to be like some sort of awesome church here that people who are faithful members of some like awesome church somewhere else, they leave that place to come to this place. That's, That's not really what it's about. We want to see people who are close to us but far from God be brought home. And if they're around here or they're around somewhere else, wherever you work, wherever you live, wherever you shop, that's great. But that's what we're after. So we need multiplying ministries, leaders, community groups to be members of Redeemer, learning to be a blessing to our friends, our relatives, our acquaintances, our associates, our neighbors, our coworkers, our classmates, and even our enemies. And for us to move into all of this, healthy spiritual growth, healthy organizational growth, healthy numerical growth, then we're going to need formation. We're going to need to grow in both our orthodoxy, which is what we believe, and our orthopraxy, which is how we live. So this means in the season ahead, we're going to need new waves of teaching and training that we just don't have yet to be able to grow in these ways that we want to move into. So specific topics and themes that will help us grow spiritually, Beginning next week, we're into the book of Ecclesiastes. In, in, this, in this age that could be described as like the spirit of deconstruction, we want to deconstruct the picture of the good life according to Scripture. And then we want to be able to build up strong by building into the, the way of Jesus, exploring the pace and patterns of Jesus, moving into Easter, thinking more about the cross of Christ. Coming out of that, we want to be tapped into the Holy Spirit. We want to be living in the power of the Spirit. We want to be living in the ways that God would have us to live. One year from right now, we imagine ourselves sitting in this room talking about how your job, your vocation connects with the mission and purposes of God as we delve more deeply into faith and work, going deeply into the book of Ephesians for a robust study. We think that's going to be part of what gets us from here to there. There's going to be rungs on the ladder that we can climb as we grow together. We want to be a kind of church that prays our way into these things. So we don't want to be running around with the clipboards like taskmasters, like we doing it? We're not. We're failures. No, we want to be hoping and praying our way to this. So we're looking to hope. We're looking to pray our way towards being a church that's deeper rooted, being healthier people who depend on Jesus more in six months and more in two years than we do right now. That's what we're after. That's the hope. That's what we're going for. Asking God together for new ministries filled with leaders and volunteers, a movement of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ in all of life. Stories of impact in ministry in the different places where God has placed us, in our jobs, in our neighborhoods, in the places we hang out. One of those stories that we're asking God, God, according to John chapter 15, verse 8, this glorifies the Father, that we bear fruit in these ways. God, glorify yourself among us. Why wouldn't you? And there it is. And this is going to be the focus for what comes next this afternoon, an evangelistic and enthusiastic spirit to bless London with the gospel. So see it. 
just a snapshot of it. I mean, I just kind of went off for 10 minutes, but let's talk about it. Let's go get a coffee. Let's sit down. The different areas of this that intrigue you, you're most excited about and you have the most concerns for. Like, let's, let's, let's be talking about this. Because these ideas right now, this reality that doesn't exist yet, see it, deep roots into God. Wide fruits. Showing up as men and women. They have more fruit of the Spirit clearly on display in their life in weeks, months, and years' time than we do right now. Stories of people sharing the gospel. Some of us for the very first time. We want to celebrate that. Growing spiritually, more Bible, more doctrine, more sanctification, more obedience, more holiness. We want to go somewhere. We don't just want to hang out right here. We want to move. Growing organizationally. A healthy, safe place to, to work and to be a member of. More safeguarding, more policies, more systems, more structures. Growing numerically in time as the Lord would have His way deeper into Queens Park and wider across London. That's the idea. Roots and fruits, deep roots, strong trellis, wide fruits, pursuing a way of church that is deep and wide. A church that we're, we're asking God, God, like, it's amazing you brought us this far. It's since this is where, we sense this is where you would have us go next. So God, move us there. Take us there. If you continue to hang around Redeemer, which I hope, I hope you will, I hope you'll hear this, and God will actually inspire you and your heart to go more all in on this thing than check out then these themes, they'll form a bit of an operating system that'll exist in the background of what's talked and sung and prayed and planned for the next two years, okay? Deep roots, wide fruits. And if you find yourself talking about this and confusing those two, I've been doing that for the last two weeks, so welcome. Last week, I, I chatted with you just briefly about the deep roots, and now I want to chat with you about the wide fruits, Wide fruit. So into John 15. Let's change gears in this thing just a little bit. Imagine trying to go up a down escalator. Yeah. The direction thing. Um, now, this will tell you a lot about who I am and where I'm coming from. Uh, part of childhood was uh, when mom uh, needed to like, go to the mall for, for shopping. Uh, mom was a full-time school teacher. Uh, dad was a full-time uh, CPA accountant guy. And um, he was obviously working. When we got out of school, if mom needed to shop, uh, she just took us with her to the mall. And those first couple years, you know, we were, were following like three feet behind, just terrified somebody's going to take us. You know what I mean? And then either we got bigger and more responsible or we became, we being my brothers and I, more annoying. And my mom just didn't want to put up with us. We started establishing like meeting places. Like, here's the spot. I'm going to meet you right here in front of Chick-fil-A. How you doing? And we're going to meet, I'm going to come get you in a little bit. So then we had time. We could kind of float around. We could run around. And what my brothers, what we always did is we found the escalators and we would just, we would just go against the grain. I know. It's like, but look, it was like 4.15 on a Tuesday, right? So whoever else is in the mall, they got time for this, right? And this is, this is how we spent our time. We just, we try to go up a down escalator, try to go down an up escalator. Maybe you should try it on the way home. I don't know. I mean, but how do you do that? Here's the point. It's only with tremendous effort that you, you get there. Going against something that's automatically downward. And life is a lot like that. 
Real change happens in our lives when the life of God flows through us and changing and who we are and how we live and how we function happens most naturally when we move with the direction that God's moving. Now that is kind of what Jesus is talking about in John chapter 15. Our bodies are meant to be conduits of divine energy. The life of God is intended to be flowing into us all the way until we die, and then we'll be with God forever. And life is going to work best when we're plugged into the energy source. And this is what Jesus is inviting us into here. But you know this is proved up from all the bookstores around London as well. You go into any bookstore, and there you'll see a number of books about how to develop your potential. And may I submit to you that all those books testify to the fact that these words in John chapter 15 are indeed true. Whenever you have real potential or that's not actualized, you could be thought of as a tree that has buds that has yet to bloom. And a whole bunch of people trying to figure out what do we do with the human situation? What are we going to do with the human personality? We sense this great capacity to be doing something greater with our lives than we're doing right now. Just busy scribbling up different ideas, how to improve yourself, how to help yourself, how to grow yourself. It's a bunch of commentary that misses the point of what Jesus offers us right here in John chapter 15. How to reach the true fulfillment of who you're meant to be is by being rooted in Him and anchored into Him. It's what we do with all those buds that look like they haven't blossomed. We were created for more. We were created to be connected to Jesus himself. Now, the revolutionary idea of the gospel is that we do not change by focusing on a list of things that we should go and do differently for God, but we change by dwelling on the news of what God has done from us. So changes imposed from the outside, it's kind of like bending metal. You can put it under a ton of pressure, but eventually when you're done with the pressure, it's going to snap back right how it was. And that's the way of changing in a religion. And it sounds like this. Follow the five pillars. Walk the eightfold path. Be really good. It's just pressure from the outside, might change the way you look for a little bit of a season, but once that pressure is lifted, you'll snap back and you'll live just the way you used to live. And that's not what Jesus is on to here. The gospel changes us in an entirely different way. We do righteousness because we love righteousness. We seek God because God has first sought us. So the summary thing is going to come up here. The secret to growth in Christ is that, we, is that we grow more when we focus less on what we are to do for God and more on what He has done for us. You want to grow spiritually? You want to change spiritually? This is how. Thinking more, focusing more, dwelling more, abiding more, being at home more in the news about what He has done for you will inevitably change you. Because fruit is not produced by conscious action of a plant to produce it. Fruit's inevitable and it's seasonal and God will bring it up. Spiritual fruit happens because the plant is alive. 
Spiritual fruit will happen around this room in the lives of us who are genuinely connected to Jesus. We don't produce spiritual fruits by focusing on producing them. We become intimate with the doctrines of God's grace and the result of thinking on the gospel, resting in the grace, resting in His finished work for us on our behalf on that cross is what changes us over time. So according to Jesus, here's the formula. Here's how this is going to work. According to Jesus, right believing will lead to right behaving. So we focus in the next two years, we focus on the roots. We focus on spiritual change. We focus on depending on God. We focus on hoping in God. We focus on talking to God. And we trust right believing, getting that right, will produce right behavior. We're going to live different. We're going to love things we don't love right now. We're going to be willing to make sacrifices that we're not willing to make right now. Where our lives are going to flow differently with one another in our relationships in two years than they do right now if God changes us by His grace. So that's where we're going. That is what we are moving into. And three beliefs, three beliefs that will lead to fruitful behaviors. I've got just three for you from this text, and we'll be off. Here it is. Not guilt, but a change in belief, right? So beliefs, three beliefs. The first belief is this, God's plan. You see right there in John chapter 15, verse 16, He says, I chose you. Think with me on God's plan. God has always had a plan. All the way back in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God had a plan. God created the world. He put Adam and Eve in it. Adam and Eve exist as worshipers of the one true living God. And God's plan is He tells them, I want you all to get together and to multiply, spread out, cover this little ball called earth that I created, and worship me. Fill the earth with worshipers. This is the plan of God. It's all the way back there in creation. Fill the earth with worshipers. It's not some God response to human sin. It's been the plan all along. Fill the earth with people that do everything depending on God and for the glory of God. This is what He's always been about. Sin comes in and sin wrecks it. Sin makes it where I'm going to live for me instead of living for God. I'm going to live for my name instead of God's name. I'm going to live for my glory instead of God's glory. And so we go. And the Bible is God sending prophets and priests and kings to try to get through to people. The Bible is the story of God forming a people to be His special people. He chooses people. Adam didn't choose God. Adam got created out of nothing. And then God chose him. Noah didn't choose God. God chose Noah. Abram didn't choose God. God chose Abraham. And it's been the way ever since. God has a plan. He has a purpose. He is doing something in the world. He is creating a people in the Old Testament called Israel that gets rebooted through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus in the New Testament. And we are now called His church. And God has a plan for the church. God wants to bless the church, minister to the church, heal the church, save the church, and then work through the church. Just like the ark was a boat on top of water, so the church is God's missionary agency in the world. It's the way He's going to bring salvation. It's the way of the news of the cross gets carried forward. God has a plan. So Jesus, in these last words in John 15, He looks at His followers and He says, You did not choose Me, but I chose you. And 
friends, that is indeed a belief that we need to sink deeper into. That's not a behavior. That's a belief. Follow with me. If that belief makes its way deep, deep, deep into our spirits, how that can indeed change us. Let's think about the implications of this just a little bit together. We are God's plan. It's not us being proud. Like, we didn't choose Him. We didn't want anything to do with Him. Like, we didn't have any concern for Him. We didn't have any regard for Him. Yet He comes along and He goes choosing up each of us. So salvation is a gift that we have received. And think about how that worked. You couldn't receive the gift of salvation until somebody told you about it. Not one of us received this gift not knowing it was on offer. Somebody had to make their way to us. Somebody had to recognize God kind of put us close together and somebody had to reach across to us to tell us. I need to tell you, I need to tell you who the king is. I need to tell you what's been done. I need to tell you a way has been made. But nobody just stumbles into this. You don't guess this. You have to hear this is on offer and you have to choose to receive it. John chapter 14, just a chapter earlier and earlier in this discourse, Jesus, Jesus looks at his followers and he says, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do. And here we are in this school hall talking about fruits, talking about wanting God to do stuff through us in the next couple of years. Think about that phrase from Jesus. Just stare at it. And acknowledge, like, doesn't it sound absolutely absurd? Greater works than Jesus? Anybody? I mean, he's Jesus. I mean, look at me. Look at you, right? I mean, like, what? He's going to... Greater works. He raised the dead. We can never preach with the insight and the, the power that he did can't have a closer communion with the Father than he had. And he, here he is, greater works. What did Jesus mean, greater works? He means greater in terms of the quantity, not the quality of the works that are being done. Jesus is sending back to the Father. The Spirit of Jesus would no longer be contained in Jesus alone and move throughout the world like the wind. Jesus was telling his followers, he's preparing his followers. Part of the plan is that when I get to the Father, we're going to send the Spirit and the power is going to come. And when the power comes, the Spirit of Jesus is going to rest with you. So then Jesus can truthfully look at a bunch of people and say, you will do greater works than me. Not greater in terms of the quality of the works, but greater in terms of the quantity of the works. It's wild to think about. Now, though, not qualitatively better, but the quantitative more works of Jesus can now be worked out in our schools. It can now be worked out in our you know, people, neighbors with us across the, across the street or across the hall from us. The works of Jesus are now available. Every believer would have access to the mighty spirit of Jesus. And the net effect is that every believer would be ministering in the power of the spirit. It's, it's amazing to consider so part of where we're going in the next two years is being real about this. Do we believe the spirit of Jesus only like belongs in some special way to the few people that will ever stand up here at the front of this church? And are we going to build ministry structures around promoting this only and platforming this only? The answer to that is absolutely not. Where we want to go in the next two years is we want to delve more deeply into Ephesians chapter 4. 
where we do see that part of God's plan is to bless the church by giving people who are going to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Their job is to equip the church and to nurture the church so the saints can be about that work of ministry in the world. And we want to structure this church. We want to build this church. We want to teach in such a way. We want to form opportunities in such a way where this can actually happen. Our greatest, our greatest effectiveness as Redeemer Queens Park is not happen. What I do or any other person that holds the microphone does in Queens Park, the greatest effectiveness of Redeemer Queens Park is what each of you have the opportunity to do as you depend on the spirit of Jesus and you are his minister for the other six and a half days of your week. And we want to go there. We want to encourage you. want to equip you. We want to provide venues and platforms for you to grow in your gifts, for you to know who God is. And as you believe more deeply, sure, he'll spring up. He'll, he'll cause us to behave in all these different ways in the season ahead. God is like a spiritual tornado. He doesn't draw us in without sending us out. And he intends to do it. Let me move him a little more quickly. Second, the second deep belief that ultimately change behavior is God's promise. Jesus doesn't only say, I chose you, but he says, look, I chose you to bring forth fruit. And this is what he wants to do. I chose you to bring forth fruits, an implicit promise in there. He will bring fruit from you. He will work in your life. He will work in your situation. He will work in your relationships to bring up fruit. If you're depending in Him, if you're depending on Him, it is a matter of time until the fruit comes. The question for us would be like, what word begins the Great Commission? If we're not careful, we'll answer with go. That's not right. The first word in the Great Commission, it isn't a command, but it's a promise. Jesus starts out, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Our opportunity to live for Jesus out there in the world and perhaps even to make a push here in the next two years, if we would, it's, it's a command that's shrouded in a promise. He loves us. We don't go into our workplaces on Monday morning trying to start something where Jesus doesn't exist. Jesus has all authority over your workplace on Monday morning. You're not trying to start a relationship with a neighbor or a flatmate. You're not trying to start this from nothing. You're just resting in Jesus. And as Jesus gives you that sense in your heart, it's, it's time to go on this. And when you go and open that up, Jesus has all authority over that person, over their house, over their stuff, over their relationships. It's all his. People just sitting around holding it on loan for a season. It's his. All authority. It's amazing what he's actually asked us to do. So in the season ahead, we want to grow in something we can call intercessory faith. Okay, We want to grow in this. The blessings of God being released more deeply into our homes and into our streets and into our workplaces as we go there and we believe that God wants to do something in our midst. 
This isn't like something I like saw on Twitter. This is from the Bible. Like you see a woman who comes to Jesus and he asks, she asks for a miracle. And Jesus says, why are you asking me? And she says, because you're full of compassion and mercy. And when we get alone with God and when we pray, we're not just God's tattletale, rattling off to God. Hey God, I don't know if you know, but they're in a serious problem over here. They got a serious situation over here. God, you should jump in. You should help with that. No, no, we're going to God who has all authority. He knows what's happening on the other side of all the doors. And we're saying, God, would you use me to bridge this gap between you and them? Just like you've already done through the cross and reaching me. Something that might keep us from some fruits is what Jesus tells us about Matthew chapter 13, verse 58. We learn... And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. See, we got to press down into these beliefs. We got to go deep into these roots. The fruits depend on it. Belief comes before works, roots come before fruits. This is where we are. So, the command to go, the command to share, commands to like be hospitable, the reason these things are taught, they're all shrouded in the promise. He is for us. He will see us through. I know I'm kind of talking about sharing the gospel with people. Yes, evangelism. I said the word out loud. Like, when we go there in the next two years, if we could just be honest about it up front, a reason, I've been thinking about this, potentially even the reason why so many Christians do not share the gospel with the people around them is because we don't believe the gospel deeply enough. I'll prove it to you from experience. Like if we're not actively sharing the gospel, one of two things is probably broken in us. One, somehow in London, we've managed to live lives in a bubble to where we don't run into anybody who's not a Christian. I doubt that's the case for many of us. Like it's kind of hard to avoid people. They're like ants just scattered around, running everywhere. No, it's, it's probably the gospel we have. We actually probably don't believe it deeply enough. Imagine something horrific happens at your spot later today. Uh, later, later, later this evening, somehow, I don't know, fire breaks out. And fireman comes in, kicks the door through. Somehow they go through the house. They find you hiding behind a wardrobe or something. They get you and they drag you out of there. They sit you down on the curb and they run back inside to get the rest of your family and friends that are still indoors. It doesn't come down to training. When somebody walks up, like, man, you look rough. You still smell like smoke. What happened to you? And I was like, I was going to die. And some dude came and found me and he pulled me out of it. But nobody has to prepare us in those moments. Like, how am I going to talk to some reporter? How am I going to share my story with my neighbor? Well, it's, it's really straightforward, right? And to take that a step further, then, we think, like, what would actually have to be wrong with us, the rescue? If we had family still inside, but we had no regard to go and to let them know there's a fire in here, right? We, we, we got to go. We got to get out. I can imagine some of the, the parents in this room 
right? Even though you don't know a, a thing about fighting fires, if somehow you come home to your house, I don't know, you pop to the shop, left them inside with the TV, I've done it before too, and they're inside watching, but there's, there's flames coming, coming out. You, you wouldn't refuse to go in just because you've never been trained. You wouldn't just stand around just because you've never been to seminary or you never had a class where somebody explained to you like how to share your faith. No, you would throw caution to the wind, you would kick the door down, and you would endure great risk to get your loved ones to safety. And if we believe that human lives are precious and we believe that the end is inevitable, well, surely we're going to go, we're going to open up our mouths, we're going to share. It's only a matter of time. And sometimes the thing that prevents us from going for it is believing that the fire would actually take a loved one's life and believing that if we actually die apart from the way, the truth, and the life, there is no way, there is no truth, there, there will be no life without it. And this is where we want to go, in part. But it comes down to believing the gospel deeply. So I'm going to talk with you a lot about that. I'm going to, I'm going to try to pour it over your heart. When you come in, I'm going to try to take your soul. I'm going to try to bathe your soul in the gospel each and every week because this is what it comes down to. And if the gospel affects us deeply, it'll start affecting us outwardly. We're going to start living different. Eventually, we're going to start talking about this. If it really has changed us, we won't need classes and primers about how to, how to get into it. We'll intuitively just start picking it up and figuring it out and finding our way into it. Look, God's love, last bit. Um, somebody, James, there it is. Think about this. Think about God's love and think about God's love for us. So back into that promise, back into that fact, back into that truth. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Let's just sit on that. And let's just think on it to let our time conclude together today. We had no interest in him. We had no concern for him. We had no regard for him. And yet he came to us. He chose us and he loved us when we were in that state. And the more deeply we sink into that, the more radically that'll change the way we view the people around us especially some of those people who have no concern for us, no regard for us, no interest in us. We'll see, well, this is the very state that I was in with my God when he sent the Son to save me. So the more we understand God's plan, the more we understand God's promises, the more we are changed by the love of God, it will indeed change us. We'll speed up a little bit in the manuscript thingy right there. Um, the the, the, the supper is available today. We're going we're gonna to share it right now on the spot this afternoon. So there might be a few leaders here at Redeemer who are going to help hand that out. Um, if that's you, you can pop back there. Is there about to come down? Let, let me say this. Um, if you're here today, you're not a Christian, just let this basket pass by you and keep listening to me right now, okay? Uh, this, the Lord's Supper, it's communion in other contexts. Um, this is a memorial meal where we get to think about the last supper that Jesus had with his disciples. The night that Jesus was going to go to the cross to give his life for other people, he actually had a meal with them. And that's what we're gonna celebrate right here. This is for people who are believing in Jesus this afternoon. So if you're believing in Jesus, even from another church, but you're here today, please grab one of these. We wanna celebrate this together this afternoon. Part of what we want to be about in the next couple of years is we want to be about 
reaching people, having relationships with people, blessing people by the way we love them and living around them, and even sharing the gospel with people. We want to reach the people who are close to us and who are far from God. This is part of what we want to be about. This is part of what we want to move in in the season ahead. Um, Charles Spurgeon once had someone in his church, they, they approached him and said, Pastor, I'm having trouble understanding how people who've never heard about Jesus, how they can be saved. To which Spurgeon looked at those people. There might be a slide for this, Seth. Spurgeon looked at the person and said, look, that is a troubling question. But here's a more troubling question. How can those of us who have heard about Jesus and do nothing to take the gospel to those who have never heard, how can we be saved? It's true. Might come across as a bit of a quandary. What happens to them if they die without the gospel? What if a better focus to that is what, what about us? How can we ever be saved by this gospel if it has indeed changed us? Yet we never do anything to act upon it. We, we never go and take the gospel to them. We want to reach people, Redeemer. We want to reach people in the next couple of years who are near to us. You, you see them, you live between a little wall. They're just on those. We want to reach them. Those who are near to us, those are far from God. Think with me on this verse one more time. John chapter 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. And so it was with our King, King Jesus, looking down from heaven, seeing a whole mass of people that had no concern for him, no regard for him, no space for him, and so he came. And he met with his followers, and he took the bread, and he said, this bread, it represents my body, and it's going to be broken for you. So, Redeemer, take and eat and remember the body of Christ that was broken for each and every one of us. After they ate and they drank, Jesus took the wine. He said, I'm going to make a new covenant with you. Covenant right there brings up all the background of covenant. These, are, these aren't like you do your part, I'll do mine kind of agreements. This is God saying, I'm going to go all the way. And my obedience is going to secure your obedience. And he takes the wine and he pours it out and says, this represents a new covenant that I go and I make with my blood. Remember this, Redeemer, greater love has no one than this to lay down his life his friends. So we take, we drink, and we remember. Maybe you hear all this this afternoon. You hear about all this growth and you feel as good as dead. I want to conclude with specifically you and mine. Remember the words from John Newton. Remember, remember my friends, remember the growth of a believer is not like a mushroom, but like an oak which increases slowly indeed, but surely. Many suns, many showers, many frosts pass upon it before it comes to perfection. And in winter, when it seems dead, it is gathering strength at the root. So we conclude with these words as our warm encouragement about how to grow and where to go from here. So be humble, be watchful, diligent in the means, and endeavor to look through it all and to fix your eye on Jesus, and all shall be well. We rest in that for the rest of today. Our Father in heaven, we pray that you would lead us into the works that you have laid out for us. We want to glorify you with our lives. We don't want to 
live this, live this life playing it for ourselves and, and playing for keeps. We want to live it all for you. So God, help us. God, lead us. God, we ask that what happens next in this moment and over these next two years, you would drive us deeper than ever before into our beliefs. Help us to examine the foundation. Help us to go deep into our roots. And as we depend on you greatly, God, we do pray that you would grow us up and you would grow us out and you would glorify yourself among us by producing things in our own lives and in our own character and that flow out of us in every part to show the world that we belong to you. So God, we're yours. Help us to see Jesus in all of this. Help us to think about him as we stand and we worship now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead. Stand up.